women live longer than men. If you defer all your, you know, assuming you're in a male female relationship, if you're letting, you know, the male um, decide all the financial decisions and you're live outliving him or potentially you get divorced um, and you haven't been taking care of your own finances, then you're not okay financially. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Copperleaf Financial. Held to the fiduciary standard of care, Copperleaf develops a financial plan specifically for you, integrating every aspect of your life. They offer comprehensive wealth planning services, including sustainable investing solutions. To find out more, visit copperleaffinancial.com. Welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I am excited today to talk to you about how you can talk about money with your honey as Valentine's Day is fast approaching. Did you know that about 59% of millennials leave long-term financial planning to their male partners? Yes, it is hard to believe that that many women decide to defer their financial lives to their male partners. And when you look at generations such as Gen X and baby boomers, it's not much better, ladies. So I have brought in a special guest today to talk about how you can engage in a financial conversation with your partner and maybe how you can do so uh, either on or around Valentine's Day, because it's a great time, in my opinion, to break money silence. So today I am joined by Rebecca Fetterman. She enjoys working with women, couples, and families and has a special interest not only in college planning, but helping people really work out and um, the puzzle, I think, of their financial life. I've known Rebecca for over four years. And recently we got together and thought, wouldn't it be great for a Valentine's Day Breaking Money Silence podcast uh, to help people talk to their honey about money? So welcome, Rebecca, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm really excited to have you here. And so I mentioned that statistic about 59% of millennials deferring their long-term um, financial decisions to their male partners. I'm wondering, you know, what do you think of that? And why do you think so many young women are deferring these important decisions to their romantic partners? I think it has to do with the deeply entrenched gender roles. You know, women are, are doing, are in charge of the home and the children and the men do are outside in the workplace. And, you know, this has been passed on for generations. So um, we see the way grandparents or parents have led their lives and, you know, see things in movies and, and everything and see how that impacts us. That is interesting because I talk a lot about gender bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious. So your thought, and, and I would agree with you that that we are really influenced as women, even if we say we're not, uh, by the messages that are sent to us by the world of finance, the world around us, maybe how we grew up. 
so why is that a problem? Well, women live longer than men. If you defer all your, you know, assuming you're in a male female relationship, if you're letting, you know, the male um, decide all the financial decisions and you're live outliving him or potentially you get divorced um, and you haven't been taking care of your own finances, then you're not okay financially. You have, you know, you're not secure and you have to save a lot more, work a lot harder in later years. Um, th there's a lot of factors for it. Yeah, you know, I had a friend who was suddenly widowed and she had deferred all her financial decisions to her husband and um, discovered after the death of her husband that he had stopped paying the life insurance because he was looking to save some money in the short run, but then left her and the kids in a, in a difficult situation, which I'm sure he did not intend, but that's kind of an example of how it can come back to really hurt you, especially at a really difficult time. Yeah, making life insurance is something looking at at the risk factors and you know what could possibly happen and making sure you're covered in so many different ways. I mean, I think I was driving home from college one time or driving back to college and I was realizing, you know, my parents co-signed my loans and even though I was going to be responsible for them, what if something happened to me? And I went out and got a life insurance policy on myself for the amount of my student loans. Wow, I'm really impressed with that. I just have to jump in and say I wasn't that mature in college. So that's impressive, Rebecca. Well, I think I was always kind of in that mindset of thinking of, you know, what do you need to do to protect yourself as well as, you know, and as a woman or, you know, just in a relationship, as much as you give in the relationship, you also need to, to maintain your independence and your, what you want as well. Yeah, it is that healthy balance. And so I'm glad you didn't have to use the life insurance policy that you got for your student loans, but I also <laughs> sounds like it was somewhat of a financial awakening. Uh, and I'm wondering the work that you do at Copperleaf uh, with your clients and uh, the firm's clients, do you think that you are watching more and more women become more aware or more and more couples become more aware that they need to talk about money openly? Or do you still feel that there's a pretty big money talk taboo? So one of the things that we really like to do with clients is if we're meeting with a married couple, we ask to meet with both of them so that everybody's in the know and they can start, you know, this can potentially facilitate conversations outside of where, you know, our meeting and whoever is not in charge of the finances feels like they're at least in the know of what's going on. So. Well, and I love that. I love the idea of joint meetings. And I'm amazed um, because I do train financial advisors how often joint meetings aren't asked for. And, and a lot of times I think couples don't understand. It's like they don't understand why we should both be there because if one's managing the finance or more interested in finance, it becomes like, well, why should we both be there? You know, uh, we both don't take out the trash. We both don't do the dishes. Why do we both have to go to the financial advisor? And I always say, 
that it's really important to, like you used your term, like in the know, because if something happens, or it's also, and you probably see this, nice to get the other person's perspective because uh, partners don't always share the same perspective. And so that's important as well. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's outliers. There's a couple, couple clients that we meet with one person primarily, but what we at least strive for is initially they know who we are. They know we're a resource. If they decide to not be part of the annual or quarterly quarterly meetings, um, we at least know where they're coming from and we can be conscientious of their goals as well. So at least that initial financial planning piece they've, they've done as a, as a unit usually. Yeah, no, I think that that's great to always factor in that other person in some way. And so today, as we're you know approaching Valentine's Day and we're thinking about what are the tips that you can offer couples out there, what they can do in order to talk more openly about money. What are some of the things that you would encourage, uh, Rebecca, people to be thinking about? Uh, and you know, how have you seen that work in either your own life or in the professional work that you do? Yeah, so I would say start check-ins. And one thing that I found is that there's there's usually two sides of the coin. There's sometimes the spender and there's sometimes the saver. So potentially even identifying that, you know, between yourselves as a couple and giving yourself some checkpoints. So when you do monthly check-ins, address, you know, that 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 combination and you know the the saver can can look at the spending and the, the spender can look at the saving and make sure that there's a balance of living life and and saving for the future. So that's a really interesting tip. I'm gonna drill down a little bit further into it. So um well, I'll use my own life. So, uh, and I'll go historically with what's happened. So historically I was the saver, my husband was the spender. So what you're saying is when we sit down that I should look at his spending and he should look at my saving. And if that's the case, how do we avoid getting in a fight about that? I wouldn't necessarily look at your specific spending. Spending, I would say, look at it as a household. If you have, you know, joint finances to say, you know, this is how much coming in every month. This is how much is going out are we on track for our goals? And, you know, if there's a bigger purchase, maybe this, the spender, you know, talks to, to the saver about it and says, I, I want to do this. And, you know, I know it's a little bit outside the budget, but these are the reasons why something along those lines. And as far as fighting about it, try to keep it, try to keep it light. You know, you're in a, um, you don't have to decide right then it can be picked up later um, just start the conversations, at least make choices jointly. Well, and and there's part of that that I actually think is really intriguing. So I'm glad we got into, you don't have to have the conversation all at once. And it may be that you're consulting, you know, if you're the one thinking about a large purchase and you're thinking about spending to consult with your uh, partner about it, I always encourage people to come up with almost a dollar value or, a t- you know, some sort of guidelines as to when you'll have that conversation versus act independently. Um, but what is interesting to me is if you are able to appreciate the other person's perspective. So to go back, my husband, like I said, was definitely the spender when we got together and I definitely was the saver. 
And what I have learned from him over, dare I say, 20 something years, I think we're almost to 25. What I have learned is that he has taught me sometimes to have fun and spend on experiences or spend on things where I have taught him how to save. So if you appreciate your partner for what they provide, as opposed to criticizing them for what their mindset is, I think that could be a really interesting way to approach the couple's conversation. Absolutely. That's, that's, I mean, that's pretty much how, how we do it. You know, my husband and I is, you know, he's got much more of the enjoy life and do the experiences. And I'm more of the let's save everything possible. And so there's, there's some flexibility that has to, there's some compromise that has to happen. So it's important to look at everything. Yeah. And so the first thing is to sit down and have conversations, whether that's monthly, whatever the timing works for you. What's another tip you can provide our listeners out there? I would say you're having the conversations, identify some goals and of what you want to do together. So whether you want to get a new car in five years or you want to retire at age 50, talk about them and then potentially engage, you know, a a planner to, to a financial planner to put together a plan of how you succeed in those goals to earmark funds for that. And that's where potentially having somebody else included in it can make the conversations easier. Although it's not required if you can, you know, run the numbers and you're interested in that. Yes. Now, I think sometimes it really helps to have a neutral party, um, be able to facilitate the conversation. I think the other thing that I've found to be really useful for myself and my clients is when you have a financial professional, you have some accountability in that you need to show up to the appointments. You might need to get paperwork or decide, oh, what are our top three goals? And so that accountability can be really useful. Now, for others who are do-it-yourselfers, they certainly can do it themselves. Now, when it comes to thinking, sitting down and looking at what your goals are, say you've done that, uh, what's a third tip you can provide for couples in talking about money? Once they've decided they're going to do this on a regular basis, they're going to have some goals, any, any last tips you can think about that can help them engage in this conversation? I would say one of the things is really looking at the current spending and the current budget. So as much as you don't want to do it and avoidance is probably very easy and maybe where there's stress around it is people don't want to look at the numbers. Try to go into it with your partner as, you know, no judgment. This is what it is. Let's let's figure out if this fits in our overall plan or if it doesn't and um, being willing to, to really look at the current numbers because, and just try to think about always spending less than you make <laughs> at the very least, and then pay yourself first for savings. Well, and what you're talking about with this third tip is it sounds like it's a combination of being mindful with your money, which often we get fearful. And when I say we, it's like people, human beings. Uh, and in our head, it can seem worse than it is or better than it is. And so by sitting down and actually putting the numbers 
together, we get to see what the reality is. And I love the idea of a no judgment zone. I would actually go as far as to say, as corny as this is, to put up a sign right where you are having this conversation that says no judgment zone. <laughs> and that way you have a visual cue of like, oh, that's right. You know, I'm not gonna judge myself or my partner right now. I'm in a no judgment zone. Yeah, and and keep it keep it in that money date night or whatever it is, you know, keep it in that evening. And if it's okay, we'll, we'll both think about it. Maybe you assign some, some homework. All right. I'm going to look at this and you're going to look at this and you try not to stress about it, but then in a month you sit down and you talk about it again. So try not to have it overrun everything. Right. Right. That it becomes, it shouldn't become your sole focus. And I think what you're saying is to really contain it. So if you have regular meetings, you know, okay, we're going to leave it here after a certain period of time. I suggest like no more than an hour, even 30 minutes, like make it short, make it sweet. And then you can say, oh, put that on the agenda for next time. And, and for couples that fight, you know, I just thought of this, but what do you think about the idea of if you want to pick a fight, instead of picking a fight about finance, you write down on your sheet, what's the thing I want to talk about in the next meeting? And by the time you get to the next meeting, chances are you won't fight about it. You might just talk about it like you should. Absolutely. And feeling like each of you has your arm around it makes everybody feel in control and comfortable. So hopefully that alleviates the stress right there to feel like both parties are fully informed and part of the life, <laughs> part of making this decisions. Yes, I think that that's a great idea as well. You know, when I think back to the opening stat of 59% of millennials deferring to their partners' uh, financial decisions, one of the things that I just want to leave the audience with before we get into kind of what your firm's up to around working with couples is the idea that they actually did research and married couples who talked about finances more actually had more intimacy. So I usually say to people, finance doesn't seem romantic, especially around Valentine's Day, but it does lead to more intimacy. So that's something for people to think about and to consider uh, at this time. So your tips have been great, but I know also at Copperleaf, you do some really interesting, innovative client events. And I know I attended one called Your Money Date Night, and I'm wondering kind of you know, do you have future events coming up like that? And, and where do you get these creative ideas about how to talk about money and how to educate people about money uh, in, you know, less traditional ways? The different events that we've been part of have come about in a variety of ways. I mean, you, your book we read about, we loved the the feeling of it and it aligned with so much of what we were already doing. It made so much sense to connect with you and, and do an event around how to break the money silence. We also had connected with, I think at that event with Lindsay Lathrop, who or is a just such a female advocate and doing so many great things. And she does these money date nights as like a counseling session with people and people can sign up and, and do these with her, just these, these counseling sessions. And so she came and was a speaker for, for that seminar. And that was wonderful. And it so aligns with some 
of what we talk to clients about. So if there's a client, you know, I, there's a couple of clients that I've said, okay, your homework is to have a money date night once a month. And, and then I ask them about it at the next meeting. How did that go? And what came out of it? And what did you guys decide? Um, next year, we're planning on doing a, we've adjusted with COVID and, and how to do things safely. We've done some round tables via Zoom. And so we're planning one in 2021, which is gonna focus on women, encouraging education on some key investment principles, um, important things like asset allocation, explaining a little bit about the different financial products out there because we don't sell products, but a lot of people do. And it's good to know the difference because it's, it, it can be a mistake that is hard to undo if you make the wrong choice with a, one of the different financial products out there. So being informed is important. So I think the uh, innovative client events that you do, I mean, obviously a little biased because you were nice enough to support my book, Breaking Money Silence, when it was published. But I attended Lindsay's event on Money Date Night, and we'll put the link in the show notes because that was a really cool event and it's a great program. And it sounds like you have a lot of uh, programs that are coming up. And because it's a virtual world, I'm wondering if these programs are open to the listeners at uh, the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Absolutely. You can go right onto our website and we're advertising kind of right on the main page of what's going on for that month. So we've been doing um, one every month. We had one on estate planning in a pandemic. We had um, Larry Swedro with the Buckingham Strategic Management come on and he did kind of forecasting the, <laughs> the future, which is obviously very difficult to do. And But just kind of talking about all those pieces, we've definitely trying to keep people informed and everybody is welcome. So how do people sign up for your newsletter so they can stay informed? Give us the website or, or the email that they should shoot off uh, an email to. So www.copperleaffinancial.com is our website. And the email, they can always email info at copperleaffinancial.com to be part of our newsletter. There's a section on our website where you can also sign up. Um, people can always email me directly as well if they've heard about this podcast and want to talk about a, something that's concerning them or do an introductory meeting. Our, my email is Rebecca at CopperleafFinancial.com. So Rebecca, thank you so much for breaking money silence with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This episode is sponsored by Copperleaf Financial. Held to the fiduciary standard of care, Copperleaf develops a financial plan specifically for you, integrating every aspect of your life. They offer comprehensive wealth planning services, including sustainable investing solutions. To find out more, visit copperleaffinancial.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app 
and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com. 